the thing that matters isn't what you did wrong. The thing that matters is how do you look at that? How do you treat yourself as a result of having done it quote unquote wrong? And what are you going to do to move forward into doing it differently the next time? You will get this stuff wrong. You're never going to have the perfect team. You're never going to be the perfect manager. You're never going to have a perfect business. That's not what matters. What matters is how we treat ourselves and how we treat the people around us as we make those mistakes so that we can become better and better all the time. Welcome to the Positive Productivity Podcast, Episode 647. The Positive Productivity Podcast was created to empower entrepreneurs to achieve and appreciate personal and professional success. I'm your host, Kim Sutton, and if you're ready, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Positive Productivity Podcast. This is your host, Kim Sutton. Be prepared because I think today we're going to be having a lot of fun. Not that we don't have a lot of fun on every single episode. Listeners, you have heard a whole bunch of crazy lately from asking for you to leave comments using words that I totally didn't mean to use to forgetting my own name. Yes, it happens on positive productivity to blooper reels now being included at the end of the show. I know that every single episode is going to be a whole ton of fun including this one. And our guest today is Brienne Dick. She is the co-founder of the Visionary CEO Academy. Brienne, I'm so happy to have you here. I am super excited to have some fun and have all kinds of bloopers and who knows what'll come out of each of our mouths. I don't know if you heard that, like this one was really bad. I'm just going to share what it was because it doesn't include any expletives. But I was talking to a relationship counselor. We didn't even talk about sex and I I started to ask them to leave a condom below the show notes. I was trying to say, leave a comment. And for some reason, just instantaneous brain fart. And that's what started coming out of my mouth. And I was like, oh my gosh, it just had to stay in though. Sometimes we have to embrace the fun mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and sharing a bit about what you do and what brought you here? Yeah, brilliant. As uh, as Kim mentioned, my name is Brianne Dick, and I am the co-founder, along with my partner, life and business partner, uh, Jill Giovinazzo. Together, we founded the Visionary CEO Academy. And what the Visionary CEO Academy is all about is helping folks who are kind of overwhelmed by the success of their own business. They've got to a point where their business is growing and stuff is happening and and they're kind of feeling like, when do I get a break where it's all this freedom that I was promised and we help them to get their life back, get their team to run more of the day-to-day and scale their business at the same time. So that's kind of the business side of things. I was thinking about how I wanted to talk about you know, the journey and how I got here. And as I'm sitting in my office, we're recording this, I'm looking around and I am surrounded by Lego, which uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm a big Lego fan. But in my bookshelf, I have a bunch of Lego displayed. And I also have a picture my mom framed for me. It's me when I was a teenager. I was, I think, at Disney World or something at the Honey, Honey, I Shrunk the Kids exhibit. So I'm standing beside this massive Lego block. And there's a speech written beside it. It was the grade five speech competition. It was called I Love Lego. 
And the reason that I bring that up is because I used that same speech, the same opening to that speech, many decades later when I was giving one of my first speaking engagements about the work that I do now, team building and scaling and operations and that sort of thing. And the way that I explained it then is the way I explain it now, which is that when I was a kid, I loved everything Lego. I loved building Lego. I loved buying Lego, or at least going through the catalog and telling my parents what to buy for me. And I loved the idea that you could open up this box of bricks and make anything out of it. But unlike most of the kids that I knew, I didn't really like to build from my imagination. I was more of the type of person that would look at the back of the box and see what all of the different buildings were, what all the different options were. And I would try and reverse engineer it to figure out how did they do that? And how did they make it work? And and why does it work? And why does it stick together the way it does? And that's really what I'm doing in business now. I'm reverse engineering what works and what doesn't work in business and how we can build businesses that support us instead of us supporting it all the time. And I think it's very much similar to what I did as a kid with Lego, going in, finding those bricks, figuring out how do you put things together in a way that's solid, in a way that's going to stick together, in a way that's not going to just fall apart all over you. Are you my entrepreneurial sister? Uh, Maybe. I loved Legos as a child as well. I cannot say, however, that I love them as a parent. Just need to put (laughs) it out there. They hurt when you step on them in the middle of the night. And we seem to find the ones that blend into the carpet all the time. But yeah, I was constantly building Legos, but I, I don't know. I never got Legos. I think we, the girls got the Barbies and the, the, Mm -hmm. my little ponies. And then my little brother who was 10 years younger, he got the Legos. So I would take all of them. And I had, I took pride in using every single last Lego to build whatever I was building. Nice. Yes. But what I was, this is going to totally date me. I don't know if they're around still. It's not Rainbow Bright. I think Rainbow Bright was a doll. There was this board that you had clear pegs and it was the light bright. I loved the light that bright. too. Just seeing what the I could do. Bright. And I didn't like to use the patterns. I wanted to see what I could do mm-hmm. with those. But also I would drive my mother crazy because I would take a, apart my bike over and over again because I wanted to see how it all works. I I wanted to know how the chain yeah. functioned with everything else. And then she would have to figure out <laughs> how to put it back together. She's like, Kim, again, haven't we already talked about that? But I'm the same way now. And I joke with clients about being the guinea pig. Let me test it on my business first to see how it works. And then if it functions, then we'll implement it on yours because I get all these ideas, but I want to see how they work. I have to admit, and I don't know, maybe there's just something in the air today, but I got a little bit choked up when you were talking about clients who wonder when they're going to get that promised freedom that they've been waiting for. Because I am admittedly almost eight years into my business and I'm still waiting for it. However, I'm starting to taste it and I mm-hmm. it didn't even occur to me until you said that because just minutes before our call, I was literally sitting in my living room eating my lunch from the couch. For those of you who don't like that, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. And I was watching one of the Marvel movies 
working as I wanted to, not feeling stressed. And that's, you just gave me the indicator that I am really starting to feel the freedom because the stress is going away. Mm. And I'm sleeping. That's the second indicator. I sleep eight hours a night. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's a big thing for a lot of our clients is, is they feel, they feel they get to a point where it's like the business has become so successful that, you know, they're, they're not sleeping They're They're stressed out. There's so much more responsibility. That's actually a word that I hear a lot from folks is the sense of my business is bigger now. And so now the responsibility is bigger. Now the pressure is bigger. This is especially true. You know, if they start to hire people, maybe they start to bring on team members. Now there's not just pressure for them. Now it's pressure for their team. They're like, wasn't this all supposed to make things easier? Wasn't hiring people, you know, we hear about delegation and that kind of thing. Wasn't that supposed to make my life easier? And what, what can happen if we're not intentional and if we don't know how to do it in a really effective way, we can create a situation where we add to our stress. We create more responsibility instead of getting the freedom that we actually want. You said an interesting word there. You said that the business is more successful, but that I've never said this word. I don't even know if it's going to work yet. It doesn't necessarily sound more successful. It sounds more stress sex. Stress. <laughs> yeah. I like that. That doesn't really work because it was yeah. going to be stress sex. Yeah. Whatever. Stressful <laughs> than successful. And to me, that's not yeah. successful because it means something right. is definitely broken. I have gone through waves in my business of at first thinking that I wanted this huge team because it meant that I could have each team member working on different projects and I was here working on mine. But then I realized, oh my gosh, if one team member disappears and they take their stuff with them, which I've had happen, then, oh my gosh, now I need to pick up. So I scaled back to thinking, no, I don't really want the agency model. But then I've gone back again because Mm I, in both of those stages, I really never looked at myself as the expert in my business. And that was a huge problem for Mm -hmm. me. If I couldn't, or it was a huge problem. If I couldn't look at myself as the expert, then how was I going to build the business? And then when I put the pieces together, I realized, okay, I'm the expert. I can do the strategy. I don't need to be doing all the building. That's how we're going to scale. And now that I know what needs to be built, if somebody just has a sick kid or disappear because it does happen. I don't care how big and successful your business is. People will just not show up to work one day or ever again. Yeah. We, we, we talk about the, uh, actually when I, when I was in my last day job, I had a team member and and she coined the term getting hit by the lottery bus because we never wanted to put the intention out there that anyone would get hit by an actual bus, uh, especially after a colleague did actually end up getting hit by a bus. So we kind of wanted to drop that line. We talk about getting hit by the lottery bus, which is when something amazing maybe happens in your life. And, you know, life changes for all kinds of different reasons. And you're exactly right that that differentiation between, you know, having people who can do the work while you still get to be kind of steering the ship and guiding things. It's a balancing act that, frankly, no one is really teaching how to do well, present company not included in that statement. (laughs) I love it. And yeah, I could have used your wise words of wisdom when I started hiring the first time because I made the classic mistake of hiring too fast. Mm. I believe the first time I hired, I brought eight people on at the same time. 
And oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> and it, so it went from me to eight. I had no project yeah. manager and my faith is important to me, but I think it, it's a good analogy for anybody. One of my first coaches said to me, he said, Jesus had 12 disciples. That's all he could manage. But <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. eight is too many for me. And I would have to say four would probably be good enough. I would like to manage four managers who manage everybody else. And that's it. Yep. I can. I want yep. to know everybody on my team. I would love that. Yeah. But to scale, I mean, I'm sure Jeff Bezos, that's the right name, right? The Amazon guy? He doesn't know. I'm mm-hmm. sure he doesn't know mm-hmm. everybody, but he's got managers, senior managers all the way up. And it's those top, top, top people that he knows. Yeah. And I think when you, I love what you're talking about. We talk about this in terms of what we call it, the visionary pyramid, where you have your implementers and helpers who are doing the day-to-day work. They're figuring out how to do stuff. You have your managers who are more coordinating. They're figuring out what needs to be done. You have your leaders who are figuring out strategically when are the priorities. And then at the visionary, that's where you want to be, right? And each of those levels can have teams of teams underneath them. But what I think is so powerful about what you just said there is one of the things that happens when we build the team, the other model, right, where it's a whole bunch of people and we're at the center of it, kind of like a we're the hub of a wheel and everyone is spokes, but we're the one who has to keep turning over and over and over, getting dizzy to keep this wheel turning. What's really powerful is that can become very lonely because we as the visionary are kind of an entity unto ourselves, and we're spending all of our time trying to coordinate all these other people. Whereas when you build towards the model that you're more talking about, what we find is that we can actually be part of our team. We can have a collegiality with the smaller number of people that we spend time with, that we're close to. They can become mentors and advisors for us in their own areas of expertise. And I remember one of our clients saying that a big shift for her as she went through this process was feeling like she no longer had to put the business on her back and support it all the time. But instead, now she had a team and, you know, kind of the structures in place that everything was supporting itself. And as a result, the business and her team was supporting her rather than her feeling like she was the one who was putting everything on her back and marching up the mountain with it. Oh, yeah. I was totally the bottleneck. Mm Mm-hmm. Completely yep. the bottleneck because every that's why it didn't fail so miserably for me because everybody was always waiting. So they found busy work to do, which I didn't tell them not to do, which was another mistake of mine. But when they were finding busy work, I was still getting charged and there were no income generating activities because they were all waiting for me. I've also noticed as the business is, has grown and become more successful and less stressful that the client level or the the client demographic has also changed. I'm not saying that Mm. the industry has changed, but where they are at in their business has also changed because the scarcity-minded clients are much more difficult to work with than the ones who are already fairly, are going along fairly well already. They just need some added support. The scarcity-minded clients, for Mm. me, they got hung up on a simple typo, whereas the ones who are further along, oh, it's just a typo. If they can't stand that we forgot to put a period Mm -hmm, there, mm -hmm. 
and they're going to get hung up on that, then they're not our ideal client anyway. And when I saw that that there was that big shift between clients who were struggling to make six figures a year and the clients who were making multiple seven figures already, I was like, holy moly, that's amazing. I love that. I think what's so interesting about that is that when we look at it, we can look at it from two angles, right? We can look at it from the perspective of, you know, they, they had to be less controlling, if you will, be less micromanaging. And that's, you know, how they, as they grew, they had to become less micromanaging. But I think it's even more valid to say that it's not that the growth of the business was the cause and the less nitpicky was the effect. I think it's actually the other way around which is the ability and the willingness to let other people own their area of responsibility, the willingness to stay focused on the results rather than all of the details of the steps that got you to that result. That is the cause, the effect of which is a business that can grow to high six figures, seven figures, multi seven figures, eight figures and beyond. And that's a really important kind of flip to make in the head is to realize that it starts, my letting people make mistakes and my not getting hung up on the details starts wherever I am. And that is actually what will propel me to multi-seven and beyond figure growth, not the other way around. It's not that I get there and then I give up control. It's that I allow people to make mistakes and that's what gets me there. Absolutely loving this. I remember two team members and I'm back to one right now, admittedly. Listeners, you know, I'm always really transparent and I'm sure you've already heard this, but I let my biggest client go at the end of last year because I realized it wasn't in line with me anymore. It wasn't aligned with me. And I was out of integrity staying in that position. And for me to get to the next level, I realized I needed to have the confidence to take the leap. And it was damn scary, but it's working. What I was going to say, though, is that with that transition, you know, I had to I had to slow down on contractors and they'll come back. They know they are excited to come back. But I remember when we started working together, there are a couple instances when they were scared because they had made a mistake. And I was like, never, ever be afraid to make a mistake or to be afraid of telling me that you've made a mistake because I am not going to freak out about it. What I will freak out about is if you speak to a client rudely. That is not acceptable to me. And that has actually happened in the past. And I won't work with anybody anymore. Like you speak to a client rudely, that's your last day. It's the communication. In 2014, I became an Infusionsoft certified partner and I went down to Arizona for my certification. And I remember being blown away. They had a cereal bar in the middle of their office. Shelves and shelves of cereal and milk in the fridge, and bowls in the cabinets. And if at any point during the day you were hungry, you could just go to the kitchen, get a bowl of cereal. They had chairs all around, like lounge chairs and little areas where team members could get together and chat. And I was blown away because that was the first office I had seen like that. And I never, I don't want an office. I just need to put it out there. But it was the first office I'd ever been with or been in that was like that. Because in my previous corporate experience, I had been an interior architect for a decade. And 
you sort of got the raised eyebrow from the managers if you were at the water cooler for two minutes talking to somebody. But it's that type of brainstorming and that letting go and letting team members collaborate and brainstorm that I realized, oh my gosh, this is what's going to take it to the next level. So when I started hearing that my team members were getting together, I was excited. What are they working on? You know, it wasn't like, what are you billing me for now? It was like, okay, I want to hear. What are you talking about? What are we doing? Yeah. That trust needs to be there. You mentioned the word trust and that's such a good word to use. It's interesting. You you hear about Silicon Valley and, and, you know, the, you can Google will get, let you have a massage during the day and this company will, you know, I have foosball tables everywhere. And it's almost become a cliche that that's what culture is. But of course it's, it's not, that's not actually what culture is. Those are maybe representations of culture, but that's not culture. And the definition I love of culture comes from Nathan Berry, who's the founder of ConvertKit. And he says that for him, culture is trust. Do you trust your team members? Do they trust you? Do you trust your managers? Do they trust you? And for me, when I'm looking at, yeah, I want my people, I want my team to be able to take an idea and run with it and create something better than I ever could have on my own. That for me is the essence of truly building a team, a culture, a business that is going to build results in the world that are better than I could ever have done on my own. And that's what's super exciting and amazing to me. Mm. What sparked you starting your business, Brian? Well, it's, uh, this was not the business that I originally set out to start. <laughs> this, was, uh, this was kind of an accidental journey, if you will. It makes sense in hindsight, but at the time, if you had asked me where I was headed, I would have had no idea whatsoever. It started when I was, uh, I think I was a teenager. I think I was 18, in fact, and I had my first paid freelance gig designing and building a website for the company my dad worked for. So I was always kind of a nerd, a tech head. I had learned to program. I learned to do web design. I learned all of that kind of stuff. And I paid my way through college uh, as a freelancer and wasn't really much into the business side of it. It was just a way to, to make some money on the side, right? True freelancing, side hustle kind of idea. And I was working in post-secondary and I had managed to you know, keep some of these clients, again, just extra cash on the side. I got myself promoted to you know, kind of a lower level supervisor management position. And a uh, couple things happened when I got promoted there. Number one, I learned that I loved having a team. And I loved you know, being able to set the big picture and then empowering them to go and do amazing work. Uh, the second thing that happened is that I loved my team, but I didn't love what my job had become, which was bureaucratic paper pushing. And then the third thing that happened is that I ended up working for a woman who showed me exactly what a boss should not be. And I was bullied and to the point where I would do a project and she called me in her office. I remember it so clearly, called me in her office and said, I'm not calling you stupid but I don't know how you could think this was acceptable. And I mean, I was devastated. I'd put my heart and soul into this. I had felt really proud of it. I I mean, I always do my best. And I was devastated and I didn't know how to handle it. I went and I I had a conversation with a mentor and we were talking about it. And I said to him, you know, I bet if I tried, 
I could actually make a go of this web design thing. And like I said, at the time, you know, in, in hindsight, I can see the threads, right? I can see the threads of, I had the experience of, I think, being a good leader, a good manager to my team. And I also had the experience of having a horrible boss and knowing how people should never be treated. And so it took a few iterations. I, I did web design, web development, managed, kind of accidentally found myself doing curriculum design for online business owners because I'd worked in higher ed specifically on curriculum. So found myself helping people create better learning experiences, create better courses and programs and that sort of thing. But even through that, I got more involved with my clients' businesses. And I noticed that none of them actually knew what it meant to have a really amazing team. They didn't know what it meant to lead that kind of team. They didn't know how to have anything other than just a whole bunch of contractors that were sucking up all their time. They didn't know how to build that environment that we were talking about, which was one where the team comes together and creates one plus one equals three situations. And so I was making that transition and I thought, oh, maybe it's business operations that I should be focused on, you know, helping people scale, not just through courses, but through the operations side of their business. It was around the same time when my partner, who I mentioned off the top, uh, Jill, got promoted in her job to being a manager. And she was, is a fantastic manager. Her team loved her. Everything was great. It was just amazing. If I could give higher praise, I would. And I think her team would, would have said the same at that time. And I started to watch how she talked about her team. And we would say, you know, what'd you do today? And she would tell me about what happened with her team. And I started to notice that what she was doing and the approach she was taking with her team was what my clients were truly missing. They didn't have this type of team environment. So my business at that time, it was just my business, continued to grow, still doing operations consulting to the point where Jill could you know, no longer work in her day job and she could come and, and work in the business. And bringing in her skills of managing and leading people and building teams was the perfect complement to my more strategic operations you know, kind of focus. And ultimately, what we found is that our clients really needed support with the team, with the scaling, with the growing. And I can bring all of my theoretical best practices. She can bring all of her hard-won experience and practical hands-on interpersonal stuff. And it's been really cool to see how that has created results for clients. And that's why, ultimately... I put aside all of the web design, I put aside the curriculum design, I put aside the kind of hardcore operation stuff. And we launched together the, the company name or the brand name that we use now, which is the Visionary CEO Academy as co-founders. Absolutely loving this because I didn't see my company getting where it is today either. I didn't know what it was going to be. I was basically throwing pasta at the wall and seeing yeah. what would stick. Yeah. yeah. I experienced in corporate, and then I also experienced as an entrepreneur, as a contractor myself, too many meetings. Do you find your clients ever doing that with their teams? That's a really interesting question. I would say, <laughs> I would say it's the opposite, but that's partly a personality thing. 
because my clients, our clients tend to be more of the, you know, coaches, consultants, online business owners, maybe they have courses, membership sites, maybe they work in small group programs, goes back to that freedom narrative that we talked off the top. A lot of them have a story that I don't want to manage. I'm not a good manager. I don't want to be a boss. I want to just have my freedom. And so they almost will go to the other extreme where they don't have meetings because they think that meetings are bad. Meetings are a holdover of corporate. I don't want to have that on my calendar. I don't want to have that on my schedule. But the cost of that is that they are now spending all of their time in ad hoc meetings, chasing people down, trying to connect with them on Zoom, going and having all of these spur of the moment conversations. It's almost like in the search for freedom, I want to be free from meetings. They've created this situation where now they're spending so much time chasing people around, they're actually having more meetings, but they just don't think of them as meetings because they're not booked on their calendar to look like meetings. I wanted to take a quick break from today's episode and ask you if you need to take a break from your business. Maybe you're working too many hours. Maybe you're trying to work on too many things. Maybe you have too many clients who just really aren't aligned with your greater purpose. If this sounds like you, I want to offer you an opportunity to join the Positive Productivity Pod, my monthly mentorship and coaching community. For only a dollar, you can jump in, get started, and enjoy 10 days in the community where you will meet so many awesome entrepreneurs. And then twice a month, you'll be able to hop on a live call with all of us and get the feedback that you need in that very moment for your business. If you're interested in starting today for only a dollar, head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash pod to get started. That is so fascinating. I had never thought about that before. So thank you. What I experienced was that one of my biggest, my main employer when I was working in Manhattan would have a Wednesday morning a Wednesday morning meeting with all staff members. So there would be a hundred of us in a room for two hours going through every single project. And it seemed like a poor use of time when each of us was probably only involved in one or two of the projects out of the 60. Like we could have had smaller team meetings with the, with the principals and that would have been just fine. And then one of my, clients as an entrepreneur would have the same type of thing once a week and going through all the projects. And at that point, I was involved in one and it was another two hours of time every single week. So I thought it would have been better. Let's just have a project meeting you know, or a set slot in this bigger meeting that you run the whole thing, the whole time. You know, you still have it for two hours on every Tuesday afternoon, but we know that from 3.15 to 3.30, we're going to talk about this project. Yeah. And you don't need to stay the whole time because I know you're busy. And that just seems like it would have been more effective. With my team, the second that you were talking about with running all over with the ad hoc meetings, that's exactly what was happening. Because I was scared of meetings because of the other two examples I gave. So thank you. You're welcome. Team, I exactly. (laughs) I'll go in the middle. And that's right. And and this is kind of my philosophy in general, which is when we see extremes, 
let's look for the third way Mm -hmm. because there's always a third way. There's always a better way. If I had to say what my life philosophy is, is that there's always a better way. So let's not go to the extreme of no meetings. Let's not go to the extreme of big meetings with everyone all the time. Let's find a framework that works based on what the outcome is that you want to achieve. Absolutely. Yeah, I started to present the every week meeting as an entrepreneur because I was paid by project. Yeah. So when I was asked to be there on camera for two hours every Tuesday afternoon, it's like, come on, I have other things to do. I'm not getting paid. I mean, I was getting paid, but when you look at the the overall scope of work and how many hours I was getting paid for, all of a sudden it just tripled. And that's just not yeah. effective. And the last thing I want for me is to be resentful or for my team members. Well, and and the flip side of that is as the business owner is how profitable are you allowing your team members to be? And this is something that a lot of people don't really ever think about, which is every person on your team should be profitable. And that means that they need to be generating more value for the business than the amount that you're paying them, not in an extortionist way right? But in a way where they are creating more value for the business so that you can use that margin to grow the business, reach more people, help more people, right? That's the way that we want this to work. But what happens is that you gave the example of sitting in these meetings. That's not a profitable use of your time. Or the other example that we talked about off the top is where we're not making good use of our team. So they're going and doing busy work. They're doing all these other tasks. Again, not a good use of their time. And are we really creating an environment where they are able to provide the most value for us, which is represented in terms of how profitable they are in what they're doing? And it's not, like I said, it's not about extortion. One of the big things that I believe is that the power dynamics systems that are in place in most management or most big corporate type of environments are not serving us as a society or as people. So it's not about squeezing every dollar out of every person. It's about allowing them to create maximum value for the business and then compensating them based on that value so that you can use the value to create more for your clients and more of a change in the world that you want to see. Where do you see promoting from within and the team members' passions coming into play? And before you answer, I had my team members take a quiz. I won't name it just in case you have one that you (laughs) give out to your clients for their teams. But I had my team members take a quiz to find out where their, their strengths are and their genius zones. And it's not like the strengths finder or anything like that. And I was shocked to find out that their areas that they would most thrive in were not where they were. And I went back to talk to them, two in particular, where I thought that being customer-facing or doing marketing work was their strengths. In all actuality, it wasn't. And they're like, oh, well, we just love working with you. So we were willing to do what you gave us. But yeah, I so love that more. And I was like, you can tell me that anytime. Yeah, I just literally before we got on this call, I had wrapped up a a call with one of our clients and we were working on exactly this, right? There was a whole bunch of people on the team 
And they were doing stuff that they were good at. You know, if you think about the Gay Hendrix zone of genius, right, they were in the zone of competence, maybe even zone of excellence. But were they really in their zone of genius? And so we have a a process that we take our clients through. and, And this is what we were working on with this client today where it's, let's do these two things separately first. Let's figure out, A, what is the zone of genius for each member on our team? And we look at what are all the things they're doing and what is the top 1% of all the things they're doing that they're best at, that they love most, that they would love to do more of. And then we ask, why? Why do you love that most? Why are you best at it? Why would you love to do more of it? Because that gets us maybe not right to the heart of their zone of genius, but it gets us closer to it in the context of the business that we're running. That's the kind of part A of what we do. But separately from that, we do a look at what does the business actually need? Because very often when we hire people, we hire them to start doing one set of jobs and then the business grows and we give them more things and then we find out they're not good at those things. So then we change what they're doing and and we end up with kind of stuff that's everywhere. So we do this look and say, what does the business actually need in order to become the kind of business that we want it to be, in order to be able to serve the clients in the way we want to serve, in the way that you know creates the, the revenue, the profit, the impact, the freedom that we want? What does the business need in terms of what does it need to be done? And what kind of positions does the business need to have filled? Then we match make. So we say, this person's zone of genius is representative of what the actual needs are of this position. And they may not have all the skills. We can train them or we can pay for them to be trained. That's fine. But we match make the zone of genius with the position that the business needs in order to bring the team into alignment. But we have to do those things separately because otherwise, We're always thinking, you know, oh, what can I give this person? What should their job be? We forget about what the business needs. And if we focus exclusively on who we're going to hire, what the job title is, what the job description is of the person I want to hire, we forget about our team's zone of genius. So when we look at those two things separately, and then we say, what is the matchmake between them? You will find combinations, and this is what happened on my call this morning. You will find combinations that never would have occurred to you But when you look at them, you realize this is exactly the person who should be doing exactly this work and they're going to blow our minds at it. Mm, Absolutely love that. So when I started the business, I didn't have any types of standard operating procedures or processes, period. It was fly by the seat of my pants. I went too long before doing that mass hiring that I shouldn't have done because I didn't want to hire anybody. I thought it would take longer for something to explain to somebody how to do it than it would be for me to just do it myself. Then, you know, that was eight years ago. I've morphed into now finally having standard operating procedures, which are fluid. They can change at any point. But in order for a team member to move on to something else, they were asked to write up the standard operating procedure for what they were doing so that they could also help support me and the company in finding the person who replaced them in that position. And that worked so well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. And and I, I love it too, because so many people believe that they should create 
processes, SOPs, checklists, all these things before they hire. And they spend an inordinate amount of time of it because it's not for most of us as entrepreneurs, you know, we're more the visionary type. Creating documentation is not our zone of genius. And what I have advised many clients is, number one, don't hire someone who's going to need that level of direction. Instead, hire someone who is potentially better at it than you are and have them show you how it should be done at the highest level. And then what it becomes is a situation where they're going to onboard them, you're going to train them, you're going to show them the nuances, of course, of how you do things in your business. But guess what? Everyone that I've ever seen who goes into a new job and they're learning to do something new, they generally have a notebook with them. And they're writing down notes about what to do and what to do next and how to do things. That is the system. They can then create the system. They can create the process. They can use the SOP. But because they are creating it, they now own it. So long as the result is accomplished in a way that is what we agreed the result should be, and it's accomplished in alignment with our values and our culture, they can update that checklist. They can update that SOP. If they find a better way to do things, have at it. Please do. Please don't do things the way that I have done them all the time because I want you to do it better than me. They then create the processes which become the living documents, become the way that things get done. And whether it's that they get promoted within the organization or they end up leaving, whatever that situation is, now the person who comes into that position you know, and, and takes over has a running start. They have something. They don't have to follow it verbatim. They now can use that as their starting point and improve it and make it better. And the processes become an evolution along with the business instead of something that works until it breaks and then you redo it. Amen. <laughs> I mean, I've outlined over 250 different processes that are done re- routinely in my business. And to this date, and I started this document over two years ago, maybe 50 of them actually have been written up to this point. So I really appreciate you saying that so many people, you know, think that it's got to be written up before they, they hire somebody. No, no, no. I mean, my, my documents go from as simple as what's Kim's bio yep. to what are the brand colors? There's a specific doc for that to all the social media links to how to book a flight for Kim. (laughs) Come on, what airline? It seems like silly things, but I don't want to go through 18 rounds of questions just to get a flight booked from here to San Diego. You can go here. You can see that I like to fly this airline. I'm not going to say which one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to fly middle seat. I will wait and take a later flight if I don't have to take middle seat. And here's my preferred times of flying. And that just eliminated so much time necessary. And even simple things like, here's what you do to order replacement business cards. This is the type of stock. This is the type of shipping. It's those repetitive tasks. And it just took, and those are the the simple like administrative. It goes way Mm -hmm. beyond how to set up a blog article, how to optimize SEO, anything that's done routinely. It just... It was a non-ha to me to realize, oh my gosh, this is something that could be documented. And then, yeah, I can get that one thing off my plate, which takes that much stress off me. Yeah. I think 
that is such a, a good point. And I think what really the next level of that and you know, we can easily set ourselves up to be in a situation where we spend all of our time creating documentation about how to do things. We had a client who literally said, I am spending all my time writing SOPs because, you know, my team needs them to know what to do would be, again, that story that we talk about much faster to do it by myself. And there's a shift that we can make, which can take us even a level beyond that, which is rather than telling someone how to accomplish the results. We can instead focus on the results and let them figure out the how, let them make the decisions about how. So the results, and this is where we have to be clear about success criteria. The result might be, I want a flight and for the flight to be booked successfully, it needs to be booked. Here's my criteria. It needs to be booked on this airline, not the middle seat, you know, don't make me get up this early in the morning and don't make me blah, 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 right? So there's usually, when you boil it down, there's usually only five to eight bullet points that make something a successful outcome. I want to be booking flights. These are the five to eight bullet points about what makes booking a flight for Kim successful. If we can simply give that to people and let them figure out the how, We've now created a situation where we don't have to keep updating the checklists and updating the processes. We just know that so long as the outcome is achieved the way we want, now we're happy. So we've moved from dictating the how to dictating the what, what is the result, and allowing our team to figure out the how. Mm -hmm. The next level above that is that you can start saying, I'm not even going to dictate the what. I'm going to instead focus on the strategy. When are we going to focus on things? You make decisions about what, and then other people can make decisions about how. And this is how we get ourselves out of the weeds of the decisions. We get ourselves out of having to tell people do this and this and this to actually being able to focus on the problems that we really do want to be solving, which is where are we going and why are we going there as a business? Mm. You just named this episode, I think, getting out of the weeds of our business. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Oh, I just had a brain fart. I had a really good question, but <laughs> I forgot it. Oh, well, it will come back probably right as we're closing, but if it doesn't, that's okay. Oh, it's better than me. Usually for me, it's not until I have the shower the next day that it pops back up. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That too. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I remember now. A dear friend and I have a weekly accountability call, which mm -hmm. these, once I started getting out there as an entrepreneur and making connections with other entrepreneurs, because not just within our teams can we get secluded, but when we're especially home-based entrepreneurs, and I think back to the movie in the 90s, The Net with Sandra Bullock, where her neighbors yeah. didn't even... <laughs> I only just recently met my neighbor across the street and the old neighbors left or moved at least a year ago. He came over and introduced himself because his drone had accidentally flown into our backyard. But my neighbors wouldn't know who I was. So what I was trying to get to was that getting out there has been really awesome. But what I noticed that my friend was doing, and we're both, we're on parallel journeys trying to get to the same level in our business. Well, she went through this whole list about how she had organized her inbox and how she had organized her project management software. She doesn't even have a team right now, but it all looked really nice. Her inbox was empty. All of her Prello boards had nice covers on them. And I said, you know, what 
Okay, that's all great. Good for you mm-hmm. for getting all that done. But what did you do this week that was a prioritized purposeful action versus yeah. getting stuff done? Because everything that you did this week, does it really matter next week? Because mm-hmm. your inbox is just going to get more emails. I mean, my inbox right now is not as bad as some of my clients. It's a little bit uncomfortable for me. It has 400. Mm-hmm. But I've taken care of the important emails. I realized though that cleaning out my inbox on a regular basis is not going to get me. It's not the most important task of my day. Where do you see the visionary CEOs, the ones who are really getting into the freedom and out of the stress? What are the shifts that they're making and what they focus on? Yeah, that's a really good question. And it it is before I give a direct answer to that question, I want to emphasize that it's a process. You don't go from being down in the weeds of your business to being the visionary CEO in one big step. Many people have tried. That's usually when they come to us and say, it didn't work. Can you help? Because you know we talked about this idea of the visionary pyramid. If you think about a pyramid or a triangle, if you just randomly start pulling blocks out of the middle, the whole thing's going to collapse. It's like Jenga, right? And you pull blocks out and the whole thing's going to fall over. What we need to do is move up the pyramid one step at a time. We need to get out of the day-to-day and focus more on answering the questions of what, trying to focus more on coordinating the team, trying to focus more on planning and goals and metrics. Once we've got that kind of settled, and then we can move up to the next level. Then we can move up to be focusing more of our time on strategy and strategic planning and starting to think not what's happening next week, but what's happening next quarter and what could the future look like here? In order for us to move up to that level, we need to have other people who start to take over the responsibility for the week to week for those shorter term concerns. When the time you get to that visionary level of the pyramid, as I alluded to before, really what you want to be spending your time on is where are we going and why are we going there? What is the big picture of the company? Where are we going next? Where is the industry going? This is the land of ideas, of vision. It's where you get to go and do research and development on a project that the success and growth of your business has nothing to do with. You can go and play with an idea and it could fail miserably and yet your business will still have grown because you're operating at a timeline that doesn't affect the day-to-day of your business. It doesn't affect the week-to-week of your business. The fun part of that is that when you operate as the visionary and when you have the rest of these structures in place for your business that have given you the freedom to do that, you also have the opportunity to choose when you want to go and operate at some of the lower levels. So you can choose, when do I want to go and do some client work? When do I want to cherry pick a project that looks fun to participate in? When do I want to go and set some, you know, have a conversation with my sales and marketing folks about a new campaign that we might be working on? And so the big difference at the visionary level is it switches from, these are the things I have to do in order for the business to keep running and growing to becoming, these are the things that I get to do. And the business will keep growing and running whether I do them or not. But now I have the choice to choose where I want to give my energy, how I want my contribution to be, and how I want to move us forward into whatever that bigger, brighter future looks like together. This is a really 
bad example, but while you were talking about this, I was thinking about the Titanic. Give me give me the <laughs> name of a ship that didn't sink. Oh, I don't okay. know. I- <laughs> just, okay, listeners, just think of a cruise ship that you know is like No, we don't want to do cruise ships because they've got the they've got the big virus thing going on. We don't want to do okay. cruise ships. <laughs> well, I don't think any Disney cruise ships have coronavirus right now there so we we'll go just, we'll go disney cruise but disney i think, cruise, love it i'm going from and but this is going back a century so just bear with me everybody i'm thinking about the people who shoveled the coal into the yeah. the furnaces and that's where we are when we start we're shoveling the coal and then the engineers you move up to engineer who's telling people to shovel the coal they might not be called engineer, but I'm just thinking how you work your way up the decks. Mm-hmm. And then when you get up there to the visionary, I just picture myself being the captain. Yeah. A female captain in my case. Absolutely. Uh, yep. On the top deck with the binoculars looking ahead. Yep. Yeah. We're, we're just going to move a little bit this way. I don't know the difference between the size of ships. I've never <laughs> sailed, but we're going to move a little bit this way to make sure we don't hit that iceberg. And everybody's, you know, everybody's got their, their part to play and we're all, we're steaming ahead yeah. brilliantly. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that analogy and I'm going to add one caveat to it. Please. Which is that in, this is the fortunate thing with the time, you know, that was a hundred years ago. And there are still a lot of industries that work that way, right? You know, whether it's any of the industrial type of jobs, we're a big forestry area and, and there's hard labor that goes on. For most of the people that are listening to this, I'm guessing that's not your industry, right? You're not dealing with manual labor. There's no one shoveling coal in your business. There's no one shoveling coal in my business. And so the one caveat that I want to offer is that we have an opportunity now with the types of businesses that we have, with the technology we have, with the opportunities we have to make it where we aren't the only ones who get to be doing what we love most. We, we love looking out and being the captain of the ship, but we don't have to have the grunts at the bottom doing all the grunt work and sweating and getting injured and ending up with black lung and those kind of things. We have an opportunity to create a business, an environment, a culture, a team that allows everyone to play to their strengths. Absolutely love that caveat because for me, like bookkeeping is the grunt work, but for somebody else, they could absolutely love it. I just want to make sure that they do. Yeah. For me, I think of it like a sports team, right? There are different roles on a sports team. I'm a hockey fan. So the goalie does something very different than the center. And the fourth line center does something very different than the first line center. Everyone has a different role to play, but everyone gets to play the game they love. I'm over here cracking up. I think you're the first time that hockey has been brought up on the show, and I love hockey too. Well, I'm a Canadian, so it's a professional hazard. Yes, and I'm from Western New York, like Rochester, Buffalo area, where we grew up with hockey. 
there you go. There you okay, go. Total side. I just have to throw this in there. My older boys are 14 and 17. Now we took them to their first hockey game. They were little in my now 14 year old. I think he was four. He was, this is so bad. He was telling the opposing team, you suck, you suck. And they thought he said, give me a puck. So <laughs> they threw one over to him. <laughs> It made oh. his whole day. I was like, if you only knew. Oh, that's no, we too did funny. not tell him to say that because we encourage good sportsmanship, whatever the case. But now he plays, <laughs> that's he right. plays soccer and he was so proud of himself this season or last season because he got his first yellow cards. But, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> just needed to be a boy. Yeah. He thought that that proved it. But anyway, yeah, yeah, I love that analogy. I mean, this just must be movie reference day because now I'm thinking even of Rudy. And he absolutely loved when he got mm-hmm. to contribute to the team's success by getting the players' uniforms ready. That was his way. Okay. Yeah. I am loving so many yeah. aspects of this conversation. And thank you because you've really pivoted how I will move into my next team, which I'm hoping will happen by quarter three of 2020. Not just hoping it will happen. It's just, I'm doing it it right this time. I'm not going to do this mass hiring. Rianne, where can listeners learn more about you, learn more about visionary CEOs and everything that you do? Yeah, that's a great question. And I would love to invite folks to come. I've actually put together a resource for you guys where you can go to visionaryceoacademy.com slash, I want to make sure I get the name of it right, positive productivity. I just used the name of the show. So visionaryceoacademy.com slash positive productivity. And when you head on over there, you will find a link, no opt-in required, because I know we all have too many emails that are required too many emails in our inbox. So no often required, there's a link to an article called The Delegation Deception. And that is all about how to build the kind of team that we're talking about here, what it looks like to have implementers, managers, leaders, and visionaries, how to build an amazing culture that keeps you out of the day-to-day and do it all in a way that gives you the freedom, gives you the growth, and gives you the impact that you want to have. Amazing. If you are driving, if you are trying not to burn dinner, if you don't want to fall off the elliptical, you can head on over to thekimsutton.com forward slash PP647 and you will find all the links, including where you can find Brianne, right there, one place. I'm just, I'm over here thinking about how we need to talk before I build my team. So thank you. (laughs) You are welcome. Do you have a parting piece of advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners? Yeah, I just want to encourage you. And I think this is this is so great because, you know, Kim, you were you were so generous in sharing your experience the first time you hired and how it didn't you didn't go the way you expected. And I think if there was one thing that I want to leave you with as the listeners, it's that you're gonna get it wrong. You're gonna get it wrong. Things are gonna go wrong. You're going to snap at a team member. You're going to hire the wrong person. You're gonna do it things and you're gonna you're gonna do it wrong. You just are. The thing that matters isn't what you did wrong. The thing that matters is how do you look at that? How do you treat yourself as a result of having done it quote unquote wrong? And what are you gonna do to move forward? into doing it differently the next time. You will get this stuff wrong. You're never going to have 
the perfect team. You're never going to be the perfect manager. You're never going to have a perfect business. That's not what matters. What matters is how we treat ourselves and how we treat the people around us as we make those mistakes so that we can become better and better all the time. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimsutton.com to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level. Ah!